0: All right. Well, good morning, Bridge family. And uh, if you guys got your Bibles, head over to John chapter four. Uh, That's going to be this morning in John chapter four. Hey, why you guys are turning there, uh, guys, today is a historic day in the life of our church. You know, next week is the grand opening of our Columbia campus. That's next week. Okay. Um, this week, however, our Columbia campus launch team is actually joining in with us through our simulcast. So Bridge Family, both here and at the Columbia campus, can we celebrate together the launch of our Columbia campus? Do that right now, man. Yeah, man. Come on. That's right. Do it. That's right. Yeah. Columbia, we are so honored to join in with you and welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, We'll see you next week. And Bridge Family, I want to let you guys know. So next week is that campus launch. Next week, uh, Columbia Central High School, 930 AM, 11 Um, AM. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Uh, if uh, if you can, right after our 11 o'clock service, we've got like nine food trucks coming down from Nashville. We're going uh, to fill kind of the parking lot of Columbia Central High School, and we're just going to turn it into a party. So uh, if you can, uh, come down with me as soon as the 11 o'clock's over. Me and my family, we're headed back down there. We're going to hang out, and uh, would love to hang out with you. would love to hang out with you guys uh, down at the Columbia campus, and uh, man, come down, hang out. Get some lunch with us and just celebrate everything the Lord is doing there, and that, that'd be awesome, okay? So heads up, that's going on next week, okay? Now, real quick, uh, one quick uh, little prefatory note. Um, last week, I just mentioned that a preacher's pet peeve is crying baby for an entire sermon. Not everyone found that as funny as I did, uh, just judging from... <laughs> from response uh, so let me uh, let me make it up to you with the kids are awesome story can I do that? you want a kids are awesome story you guys want this okay so here's what this is this is uh, this popped up in my timeline this week and what you, you won't be able to read it when I toss it up here this is a note from a bridge kid that was filling out his homework that asked about his pastor okay so what it says up here he was asked four questions <clears throat> number one what is your pastor's name Two, where do you see your pastor? Three, what does he do to help people in your church? And four, how can you help your pastor? <clears throat> Here are his responses. Number one, my pastor's name is Josh. True story, okay? Number two, I see my pastor at Starbucks. A little embarrassing, also true, okay? Number three, he preaches, also true. Number four, remember the question is, how can I help my pastor? Number four, I can help him by not farting in church. Okay, A little potty humor, Totally true. That's totally true. You guys can help me out by doing that. Kids are awesome. There you go. Kids are kids are awesome. All right, there we go. All right, great. All right, now here's who we are today. Uh, we're in John four. We're in a series called Grave Robber. That's leading up to Easter. And what this is is. Uh, John, the Gospel of John, introduces us to Jesus through seven signs Jesus performs. He calls them signs, not miracles. Why does he do that? Because a sign isn't the thing. A sign is the thing that points to the thing. The whole purpose of a sign is to point away from itself to something significant about who Jesus was and what Jesus did. And so each week we're looking at one of these. Um, Today, let me lead into the passage today, uh, kind of this way, it's a little unique. Let me lead into it like this. There are some things... Um, that amaze me. Uh, that, like seriously, I'm just amazed by stories and facts that kind of thing. I ran. Some of you guys may already know this. I ran across a story earlier this year. True story. This is amazing. Did you guys know that America's tenth president, tenth president John Tyler, guy was born in 1790, still has two living grandchildren. Isn't that that's amazing? So little digging on this. John Tyler was uh, was 63 when his son Lyon was born in 1853. Lion was 71 when Lion Jr. was born in 1924, whoopsie-daisy, and 75 when Harrison was born in 1928. Both of them are still alive. One of them lives in Franklin, Tennessee. There you go. And that's amazing to me. I'll give you another one. A lot of you guys, apparently a lot of people already knew this. This amazes me that when Coca-Cola was originally formed, it had cocaine in its recipe, That's amazing to me. Uh, However, judging from watching how much some of you guys drink totally does not surprise me, Uh, that kind of thing. Did you guys know this This is amazing to me? The weight of the average cloud is 1.1 million pounds. Yeah, no, that's amazing to me. So ladies, next time uh, you ask your husband, you know, how do I look in this dress? He says, man, just light as a cloud, babe. You just, right there. You can just give it to him right there, that kind of thing. That's not what I wanted. This is one, this is, this is awesome. Somebody posted, I crowdsourced this. And uh, this was, this was so awesome to me. So this is amazing. Plastic dinosaurs are made from plastic. Plastic is made from fossil fuel. Fossil fuel is made from fossils. Guys, plastic dinosaurs are made from real dinosaurs. That's amazing to me. I, I love that so much. And then finally, it is amazing to me that anyone likes country music. Absolutely amazing to me. That's for, thank you. I hear that. I hear that response, okay? All right, now here's what's interesting. If you read the entire Bible, there is only one thing that we are told amazes Jesus. There's only one time in the entire New Testament that we see something that the Bible says Jesus was amazed. Here's what it was. When Jesus went to his hometown, the Bible says not that he would not do many miracles. The Bible says that he could not do many miracles. Why? Because he was amazed at their lack of faith. What amazes Jesus? Lack of faith of faith in who he is, amazes Jesus. So this sign that we're going to see in John, what this is, now listen, this is really important because some of you guys already got like, oh, faith is a faith sermon. I've seen really weird things happen. This sign shows us what faith is not and what faith is and the, and the power of faith. Okay. So if you've got your Bibles, get into John four with me, pick up with me in verse 43. Here's why this is important. It's important because the Bible says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is important because the Bible says faith is powerful. If you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, move, and it'll hurl itself into the sea. The Bible says the righteous shall live by faith. If you want to be counted righteous in God's sight, you must be a person of faith. So we need to know what this is. Pick up with me in verse 43. Here we go, John 4, 43. After two days, he departed for Galilee. Now, this is really important. I'm coming back to this. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. Why is that? Okay, that's really important. Why does a prophet have no honor in his hometown? So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official son who was ill. When this man had heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee... He went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. In other words, Jesus rebuffs this man. He says, no, no, no. Jesus says, you're just playing. He said, man, you have a type of faith that's not actually faith. You don't really want me. Okay, now we're coming back to that. The official. Now, I just want to point this out to you. Notice that twice this passage points out that this guy is an official. So this guy is above Jesus in the social, political, and relational hierarchy of this region, yet this man says to Jesus, sir, so he's over Jesus in those stratas, but he refers to Jesus as if Jesus is over him. That's really important. Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. When he had come from Judea to Galilee. Okay? Now, can I just point some things out about this passage really quick? Um, You know how, like, sometimes when a builder is building something, a lot of times the builder has to blast before he can build. Gotta blast something out before I can build something up. That's what I gotta do in this sermon, and that's what Jesus does in this story. He blasts before he can build. So I pointed this out to you. Did you notice that when the guy comes to Jesus and asks for Jesus to heal his son, Jesus' response is first, no. He says, no, man. He says, you just want to see signs. In other words, Jesus was saying to this guy, you have the type of faith that wants miracles from me, but not me. No, thank you. That's not a real type of faith. So what Jesus is doing in this passage is he's confronting what faith is not. That's really important. He's confronting what faith is not. So that's what I want to do. Give me a couple minutes. What I want to do is I want to blast out some misconceptions about faith and help us understand first what faith is not okay so track me a few things faith is not all right number one number one faith is not in outcomes okay this is really important Um, here's why this is important some of you guys have been in this situation where you have had a persistent season of pain and you've prayed and you've prayed and prayed for God to take it away and you've mustered up more and more and more faith that God would heal you or remove this issue from your life and it not only is it not happening But you, like somebody that we ministered to last week after a service, you might say, man, actually, the more I've prayed, the worse it's gotten. Does that mean that I don't have enough faith? Well, can I point something out to you? Some of you guys have grown up in faith traditions where people use this language a lot. They say, man, I'm believing God for, have you ever heard that before? I'm believing God for, I'm believing God for a job. I'm believing God for healing. I'm believing God for a raise. I'm believing God for the removal of this sickness, okay? Can I just point something out to you? In the Bible, you never believe God. Faith doesn't believe God for something. It believes in someone. That is an utterly critical distinction to make when it comes to faith. Here's why that's important. If you are believing God, here's an example. If you spend your life faith in faith, believing God for a job, and then you don't get the job, guess what's gonna happen? your faith is going to go away. Uh, you may have never noticed this before. Um, have you ever noticed in Hebrews 11? Hebrews 11 is called, uh, people call it, Bible scholars call it, the hall of faith. Um, it's just a series of stories about people of incredible faith in the Bible. Now, here's what's so interesting to me about how we approach Hebrews 11. A lot of times we'll go, man, Hebrews 11, people parted oceans. People healed sicknesses. People defeated armies. People shut the mouths of lions. Okay, What incredible faith they may have had. Do you know what hardly anybody ever points out about Hebrews 11? Nobody ever points out Hebrews 11.37 where it says, and they were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. And those same people are recorded in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. Now let me ask you this question. Is the person that shuts the mouth of a lion with their faith Equal with a person who is sawn in two with their faith. Hebrews 11 says yes. Why? Because faith isn't believing for something. It's believing in someone. Okay. God's, God's promise is not that he will put out every fire in your life. His promise is that he will be with you in the flames. That is what it means to have faith. It sustains us through seasons of pain. It doesn't always take away the pain. So faith is not in outcomes. It's in a person. All right. Now number two faith is not the absence of fear this is really important faith is not the absence of fear now uh, in order to illustrate this let me take you back to uh, a really significant time in my life in 2012 I got with some guys from the bridge and I got a chance to uh, do something really fun This is what we did in 2012 we went skydiving okay it was super fun by the way there is no picture in my entire life that accentuates my receding hairline more than this picture right here okay (laughs) So, I got the old Howerton hairline. That's what I got. Uh, now, this was the fun part. This is when you kind of gain your equilibrium and doesn't feel like you're, you know, pity your stomach, that kind of thing. Uh, he, let me show you the not so fun part. Here's the not so fun part that. That's the not so fun part. When you are sitting with your legs dangling out of the open door of an airplane. Now, in this moment, I'm 80% sure I did not scream a cuss word. 80% sure, okay? I'm 100% sure I thought one 100% sure now let me ask you this I was I was afraid but I jumped I, I was afraid but I did jump now let me ask you this question was I afraid in that moment yeah I was afraid okay but I jumped so let me ask you this question did I have faith I did I did what I want you to see is that faith is not listen faith is not the absence of fear faith is the commitment to act in the face of fear See, a lot of times, listen, a lot of people think that faith is a feeling. And that, man, whenever I have these feelings of wanting to do something great for God, that's what faith is. And then when that feeling goes away, man, what that is, is that's lack of faith. Guys, you don't don't even need faith when you want to. Faith kicks in when I don't want to. That's where faith is is exercise. Let me just encourage some of you right now, man, especially women in our church, but it really this is for everybody. Some of you right now, you are so discouraged because fear is a baseline narrative in your life. In fact, for some of you, if you look at your life, what you really might say is that my entire life is really controlled fear in some way. And you might be so discouraged because what you think is that, man, God must be so disappointed in me because of all my fear, and that means I have a lack of faith. Guys, faith is not the absence of fear. It is the commitment to act in the face of fear. You can simultaneously be a person of great fear and exercise great faith. Don't believe me? We even see this in the life of Jesus. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he goes to the cross. Jesus is sweating blood because of his anxiety. Listen, Jesus is afraid. He cries out, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And Jesus has faith, so he cries out to God, yet not my will but yours be done. See, faith isn't the absence of fear. It's a commitment to act in the face of fear. Faith is not the absence of fear. Okay, number three, faith, faith is not, here we go, faith is not a level. Okay, faith is not a level. Now, here's why this is so important. Some of you grew up or have been pastored in spiritual traditions and churches where when something awesome didn't happen in your life, you weren't healed, you didn't get the job, you didn't get the raise, uh, you're, you had the miscarriage, um, somebody either actively or passively implied to you that the issue was you didn't have enough faith. And so you might have this thing in your head that like, man, level four faith isn't enough to get God to act. But if I had level six faith, the Lord would have moved on my behalf, Okay. That's not at all what the Bible teaches. Let me give you an illustration and then let me show you this in the Bible, okay? Uh, one of my favorite Bible teachers is a, a guy named Tim Keller. I call him my gospel Yoda. That's who Tim Keller is. Tim Keller, he has this incredible uh, illustration about the nature of faith and its strength. And he, he uses this little case study. He says, imagine you're at the airport and you see two people sequentially walk onto a plane. Uh, the first guy is an international, uh, an international businessman. So he walks on, he's flown thousands of times, he walks on with his carry-on, he's checking his phone, without a single thought about whether or not that plane will be able to carry him in the air, he just strides right onto the plane, sits down, starts looking at his phone, sipping his coffee, reading his book. Never has a single thought about whether or not that plane has the strength to get him to his destination. Now, imagine that right after that, the next guy that walks on the plane is an African immigrant who's literally never seen a plane. And so he walks up to the plane with fear and trembling. He cannot possibly fathom how a multi-ton metal object could carry him through the air over an ocean and get him to another continent. Cannot fathom it. And so he's standing in front of the door. He's terrified. He's trembling in fear. He's sweating, uh, having a panic attack. But he musters up just enough courage to inch his way onto the plane, sit down in his seat, clutch the armrest of his chair, and hold on for dear life. And then Tim Keller always asks this question. He says, which of the two men reached his destination? Both, right? Both. Why? Because it's not the strength of your faith that saves you, it's the object of your faith that saves you. It's not what level your faith is, it's who your faith is in that matters faith is not a level the old puritan thomas watson he says this i love this so much he says a weak faith may lay hold of a strong christ i love that so much okay what did jesus say jesus said if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed if you have the tiniest amount of faith in me who is strong that will be enough to cast a mountain into the sea so listen to me believe me sinner If you have the tiniest amount of faith in Jesus, that's enough to cast the mountain range of your transgression into the depths of the sea. That's enough. Faith is not a level, okay? Next one. Faith is not, track with me, faith is not a moment. Faith is not a moment, okay? This is a big uh, misconception some people have. You know, you read stories in the Bible, and what you can start to think is that, man, faith is something I'm gonna need in some huge moments in my life. All need faith if there's a flood coming and I need to build an ark, um, I'll need faith if uh, if uh, I need to, you know, if I need to part an ocean or if I need to be healed in that moment, I'm going to need faith. Listen, if you think there are going to be moments in your life when you need faith, you'll never learn what it means uh, to know God in faith. OK, here's, here's my here's my case in point. Think about the language the Bible uses when it talks about faith. What does it say? It says, for we walk by faith. And not by sight. Walk. What does it mean to walk? Think about this. Okay, Walking is a rhythm. It's a rhythm of sequentially over and over and over and over and over. Taking the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step. And, next step and walking by faith in a rhythm. And you know this that what God has done is he's built rhythms into our life. He wants to build rhythms into our life where we consistently see and prove the faithfulness of God by taking sequential rhythmic steps in faith. Have you ever noticed this? Have you ever, this is why, have you ever noticed the Bible constantly calls people to give God their firsts? It says, man, give me the first part of your week in a Sabbath. Give me the first part of your income in the, in first fruits. Give me the first part of your day, uh, in time in the word. Do You guys know why that is? Why does God ask us to give our first fruits to him? Okay, think about this. It's hard for us to understand because we're not farmers. If you're a farmer, it doesn't take any faith to give the last fruits because you already know what's come in. Then you get to decide what's safe. If you're a farmer, it takes great faith to give the first fruits because you don't know what's going to come in after that. What God's done is he's given us a rhythm. Guys, when God calls us to give our firsts, he's not trying to take something from us. He's trying to build something in us. That's what he wants to do in giving us a rhythm to teach us to walk by faith. So, faith is not a moment. Faith is a lifestyle of walking by faith. Okay? Here's the last one. This is really important to me. I say my, my most important one to me for last. Faith is not inactive. Okay? Faith is not inactive. Now, uh, help me out. Let, let me do this. Uh, this is an old, cheesy preacher story. So, just, just bear with me, real quick. You guys ever heard this story about uh, the guy where it starts to rain? And, uh, and the guy uh, has faith that God is going to save him from an oncoming flood. So as the story goes, it begins to rain. Somebody drives by in a car. And they uh, roll down the window and they say, hey, man, flood's coming. Hop in. And the guy says, no, thanks. I have faith that God will save me. Say so drive on. And then later, uh, they're, they're, I don't know. All right, I don't know. So later, then later, uh, flood, uh, flood water starts to rise. A rowboat comes by and they say, hey, man, uh, we got an extra seat hop in. He says, no, I have faith that God will save me. And they just row right on. Right? So, uh, so then later floodwaters rise up to the top of the house. The guy's on his rooftop uh, and he's there. A helicopter comes by, lowers a rope ladder. And they say, hey man, uh, we're here to save you. Climb on up. And the guy says, no, thank you. I have faith that God will save me. So Flood keeps coming, guy eventually drowns, and he goes to heaven. And he's standing in front of God, and he's angry, and he says, God, where were you? I had faith that you would save me. And God's response is, man, I sent you a car, a boat, and a helicopter. What else do you want from me? See that? Now, listen, honestly, that's a, that's a, first of all, that's a terrible joke. But two, it honestly illustrates a point. Faith is not, listen, in the Bible, faith doesn't lead to inactivity. In the Bible, faith leads to activity. In the Bible, faith doesn't say, wait for it. Faith says, go for it. Okay, now here's what I mean. Noah has faith that God will save him, so he builds a boat. Has, Noah, Moses has faith that God will free Israel, so he walks into Pharaoh's court. Paul has faith that God will save the nation, so he plants churches in every nation. A farmer has faith that the harvest will come, so what does he do? So he sows seed. See, true faith doesn't lead to inactivity. True faith leads to activity. Let me give you a personal example of this from my life. Um, if you have never done any public speaking before, it is really hard. Um, the hardest part of my job is, uh, to me, the hardest part of my job is preaching. And the hard part of preaching to me is not preaching five services every week. Honestly, right now, you know, I, it's pretty easy for me. I don't know why it's pretty easy for me. The hardest part of preaching for me is sermon prep. It is, listen, It is blood, sweat, and tears. It is an enormous emotional weight of anxiety to go. God is calling me to say to these people what he wants them to. That is an enormous emotional weight. Jana says that on weeks when I'm not preaching, Jana says, your personality is totally different the whole week. It's just this really, it's a a heavy weight for me. Uh, When I first started preaching, so now I put in somewhere between 20 and 25 hours of study into every message. Uh, When I first started preaching and I was terrible, um, I I had to put in a lot more hours than that into every message. So there was one time I I got called to speak at a college event right after I graduated from college. I was 22. And uh, I won't say the guy's name, but I got uh, in the lineup, I was supposed to preach right after this nationally known, recognizable name. If I said the name, some of you guys would know it. And I was supposed to speak right after this guy. I was 22 years old. And I was just like, this is the worst thing that could ever have happened in my life. And so leading up to this event, I did that. I probably put 30 or 35 hours into preparing this message that I just hope would bless and move the heart of these college students. So I got there, and uh, this guy got up to preach, and he spoke, and it was, he was long. it was kind of rambling, um, but the Lord used him to, to move in the hearts of these college students. And uh, when he got done, I just was encouraging him. I was like, man, that was absolutely amazing. I uh, just want you to know, man, if you could pray for me, I probably got 35 hours of prep Into this message, man, could you please just pray for me? And I'll never forget, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Hey, Josh, here's the deal. Uh, I don't do any sermon prep at all. I just get up on stage and open my mouth because I have faith that God will speak through me. And in this moment, I don't know why I said this, I was 22 years old. I said, So do I, so I study to show myself approved. That's what I said to this guy (laughs) study to show myself approved, a workman unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now listen, for me, I, listen, I don't put 25 hours into sermon prep because I don't believe that God will speak through me. I put 25 hours into sermon prep because I do believe that God will speak through me. And because I believe that and have faith in that, I spend 30 hours a week trying to listen to him. See, faith doesn't lead to inactivity. What faith does is it leads to activity. Okay, what does the book of James say? James says, listen, it says, faith without works is dead. So, man, some of you guys might be in a spot right now where it's like, man, I'm just trusting God to provide a job. Awesome, so go fill out resumes. Man, I'm believing God for the faith of my children. Great, so make sure they're in Bridge Kids every week. Pray with them and read the Bible with them. I have faith that God can restore my marriage. Great, so go see a counselor. I have faith that God will use me in ministry. Awesome, so step out into a ministry role before you're even ready and put yourself in a position to be used by God. Why, why, why do we do that? Here's why. You need a faith. That works. You need a functional faith. Faith does not lead to inactivity. Faith leads to activity. All right, now, that's me blasting before I can build. You wanna know what faith is, okay? Here's what faith is. I love this about this passage. So I pointed this out to you earlier, that Jesus said, a prophet has no honor in his hometown. That's interesting, okay? Remember what they said to Jesus when he went into his hometown and tried to perform miracles? Remember what they said? They said, man, isn't this... Joseph's son? Isn't the carpenter? This is the carpenter's kid, right? And he's preaching, saying he's the savior of the world? Trying to perform. Who does this guy think he is? Now let me ask you this question. Why did people in his hometown call him a carpenter's son? But this Roman official that was above him called him Sir. Do you know why? Because they saw Jesus as an equal. He saw Jesus as an authority. Do you know what faith is? Faith is seeing things as God sees them. That's my favorite definition of faith. Faith is seeing things as God sees them. Now, here's how this works. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, everybody sees things differently. I'm about to divide the room right in half right now. Everybody sees things differently, okay? Uh, earlier in our marriage, uh, me and Jana, listen, I, I don't have words to describe how broke me and Jana were in our first years, but we were, we were so, so broke, we couldn't pay attention like that. We were in that, like, it was, you know, it was in a, kind of that moment, and uh, I'll never forget, there was a, a, the first holiday, we were renting a condo, and it was the first time that we were ever going to host our families in our condo uh, for a holiday. So Jana, you know, we, we kind of, we went for it, man. Back in those days, this is literally true. In, in those days, for us, date night was me being able to supersize my favorite combo at McDonald's. Like, that, that's, that's true. That's not me exaggerating. That's a true thing, okay? So we're there, getting ready to host family. Jana breaks the bank. And she buys just a few decorating things. And one thing she bought was these towels with our initials monogrammed on them to put into our guest bathroom, okay? Now, right after, a lot of you guys, you already know where this is going. Soon as we buy these towels, they're in our guest bathroom. One day i walk out of the bathroom and I'm drying my hands. <coughs> and Jana looks at me, absolutely dumbfounded in fury at me. And she says, Josh, what are you doing? I said, babe, I'm drying my hands, right? And she says, well, those aren't for you, silly. Now I want you to think about this. What, here's what this means. Let me just put this in perspective for you. We have towels at my house with my name on them that you can use, but I can't. That's insane to me. Now listen, here, here's what's going on there, okay? Everybody sees, thing, see, sees things differently. When I look at those things, you know, miracle of miracles, I see a towel. When Jana looks at those, she sees a priceless work of art. That's what she sees. Okay. Now here's the deal: everybody sees things differently. You see things one way. Your wife sees things another way. Your kids see, sees things one way. The Republican Party sees things one way. Democratic Party sees things one way. Listen, you know the only thing that matters. The Only thing that matters is how God sees things. That's the only thing that matters. Faith is seeing things as God sees things. Let me ask you this: Do you see things as God sees things? Now, here's what I mean by that. So, for instance, when you look at your problems, man, when you look at your problems through eyes of fear, what it looks like is, man, I got really big problems and my God looks really small. But, man, when you look through eyes of faith, it looks like, man, I have a really big God and my problems start to look really small. Man, what about your pain, the pain in your life? Now, some of you might look at your pain, and when you look at your pain without faith, your pain looks like a destination, my life's going to end in pain. It ends there. But man, faith looks at our problems and our pain, and faith sees problems not as a destination but as a pathway. Man, God is using this for my good. God is preparing for me an eternal weight of glory beyond compare. I consider that these present sufferings are not worth comparing to the future glory that will be revealed to me. Uh, I consider that these light momentary afflictions are preparing something for me. Pain is not a destination. Pain is a pathway. That's what faith sees. What about people? And some of you, when you look at people, all you can see is their salary, their physical stature. Are you pretty? Are you not pretty? Are you ascending? Are you not ascending? Are you popular? Are you not popular? But listen, there are some people that in the eyes of the world are really small, that in the eyes of God are really big. Because God does not look at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. Do you see through eyes of faith? Man, some of you might be here, and man, you hear me say, let me just give this one example. Some of you might be in a spot where you're trying to consider, man, is God calling my family to adopt a child? You know, this is really dear to my heart. Not every, let me say this, not everyone is called to adopt, and no one should have any false guilt at all if they never adopt a child. But some of you right now are trying to weigh whether or not you should do that. And right now, some of you, all you can see is the $200,000 the college might cost. Or the six extra years before we'll be empty nesters. And that's all you can see. Do you know what God sees when he sees a child? Children are a blessing from the Lord. A very great reward. Man, do you see things as God sees them? Think about the cross. When the world looked at the cross, listen guys, the cross had a 100% defeat rate. Nobody goes to a cross and wins. But Jesus looked at the cross and he saw it as the thing that God would use to give eternal life. To everyone who had called on his name in the entire world. So, the cross for Jesus, he saw through eyes of faith, not an instrument of defeat, an instrument of victory. Faith is seeing things as God sees them. Now, here's why this is really important. I got to wrap this guy up, okay? Here's why this is really important. It's really important because in this passage, think about this. When was the boy healed? In this passage, the boy was healed the moment that the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken. Listen, guys, every time in the Bible and human history that God works, it was because somebody was willing to believe. Somebody somewhere was willing to have faith in a God that acts. And what you see when you read, these, uh, read the Bible, listen, some of us come from, I'll be honest, I come from a spiritual uh, teaching tradition that does not like to acknowledge what I'm about to teach to you. But it's going to take a pair of scissors to get what I'm about to say out of the Bible faith always precedes miracles. And faith unlocks the power of God. Think about this, okay? I'll give you, so think about this. When Moses is standing in front of the Red Sea, do you remember what God says? He says, man, Moses, raise your staff and I'll part the sea. And if you read that passage, God does not part the ocean until Moses raises his staff in faith. Do you guys remember when uh, the children of Israel are crossing over the Jordan River? And the Bible says it was the Jordan River at flood stage. If you were in Nashville five years ago, you know how dangerous and perilous moving water at flood stage can be. But do you remember in the book of Judges when God parts that river? It was the minute their feet touched the water. When they step forward in faith, God begins to act. Luke seventeen fourteen, Jesus heals three lepers. He says, man, go show yourself to the priest. Do you remember when this is, nobody ever notices this. Do you remember when those three lepers were healed? It says, as they were going to the priest, they were healed. So it's as they believed Christ in faith that they were healed. And then I pointed this out earlier. In his hometown, it wasn't that Jesus would not do any miracles. It was that Jesus could not do any miracles. Why? Because he was amazed at their lack of faith. Faith activates the power of God. Now, can I use, can I just bear with me here? Can I use an example from my own life? I always feel like, so my sermon prep motto is I can't expect a sermon to move you if it's not moved me. And I I believe that no sermon will ever move a church more than it moved its preacher. So this week, here's what I'm doing. I'm just sitting down. I'm going, man, God, where have I seen faith in my life unlock your power? And guys, can I just say, here's my example, man. Do you guys understand that what's happening in our church right now is not normal? Do you guys understand that? Last year, understand why I'm saying this, why I'm not saying it. or Don't read my motives negative. You guys understand that last year, our church was one of the 20 fastest growing churches in the United States of America. In one year, wait, 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 wait. You can clap in just a second. Okay. In one year last year, in Bridge Mission trips and services, we saw 1,000 people come to know Christ. Now, right now, next week, we're launching our second church in Columbia. We'll probably next week see at least, we're gonna launch a church with at least 400 people next week so that we can continue to see God move. And so in the last year, because of that, I've gotten to hang out with some other guys in other churches that are seeing things like that happen in their church. You know what strikes me? Every time I leave a group of pastors that are seeing things like this happen in their church, you know what strikes me? I leave just stunned at how much better than me they are. They're all smarter than me. They're all more impressive than me. They're all better preachers than me. And they're all more strategic than me. And when I look at my life, what I've seen He said, guys, God is not working in my life because I'm smarter than other people or more gifted than other people or have better resources than other people. I think that God is working in my life because I expect him to. God is working in my life because of faith, because my dad and the Holy Spirit, through the influence of people in my life, placed an expectation in my heart, an expectation that God will move. Now listen, here's what I want you to do. What I want you to do right now is I want you to gauge where your faith is at. Here's what I want you to do. I I want to do a case study with you. Just track with me. What I want you to do is just think back at the last week of your life. I don't want you to think back over your entire life. That's too hard. Think back at just the last seven days of your life and try to remember these two things. One, think, what did I attempt in the last week for the name of Christ? Just in the last seven days, what did I attempt for the name of Christ in the last seven days? Now, number two, think about this. Think, what did I pray for? Ev, try to think of every prayer that you prayed in the last week. Get them all in your head. Okay, you got them? Get them in your head. Okay. Now, here's the case study. If everything that you attempted for the name of Christ happened in the last week, and every single prayer that you prayed for the name of Christ in the last week happened, what would be different about the world? That's what I want you to think. What would be different about the world? Now, for some of you, it would be amazing. For some of you, there would be dozens, hundreds, or thousands of orphans that have been adopted. For some of you, uh, there would be a great ingathering of the lost into the heart of God in salvation. For some of you, there would be worldwide revival. For some of you, there would be the alleviation of human suffering, racism, poverty, all these things. Uh, war in the world. It would be all this, The world would be totally different, okay? But let's be really honest. For some of you, your food would have been really blessed this week. Or man, you, you would have had amazing traveling mercies. Hell to me. For me, here's what hell would be. Hell would be me getting to the end of my life and God showing me everything that I could have seen him do. Everything that I could have accomplished. Everything that I could have become with Christ's power at work in me if I had just had a little more faith. See guys, expect God to do a lot and he'll do a lot. Expect God to do a little and he'll do a little. Expect God to do nothing and he'll do nothing. Faith activates the power of God and God is calling his people how? How to walk? To walk by faith without faith is impossible to please God. And if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can say into this mountain, get up, hurl yourself into the sea and it will be done for you. And for some of you right now, for the first time in your entire life, there's faith rising in your heart and it may be a weak faith, but it's a weak faith in a strong Christ and that faith can save you. Okay. So here's what I want to do. Right now, I want to ask you one question. Just one question. I want you to ask God with humble and pure hearted earnestness before him ask the question holy spirit what are you saying to me that's it i just want you to ask that one question holy spirit what are you saying to me and i want to pray that he would lead you so can will you pray with me let me pray with you real quick father your word says the only way that we can approach you is by faith And your word says that when we look to Jesus, we look to Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God Almighty. And Father, today what we do is we call on you by faith. And so Father, if there is anybody here who has never cried out to you in faith, I pray that you would uh, would right now give them a rising faith in their soul that a mustard seed's worth of faith in Jesus can overcome the, the mountain range of their sin and transgression. And that as far as the east is from the west, so you can separate our sin from us. And so Father, would you please give every person of faith in this room, faith to believe that we are not our mistakes, we are not our worst days, we are not our failures, we are the beloved children of God destined for glory, more than conquerors in Christ. Father, would you please right now, by the power and leadership of your spirit, answer the question for each of us, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And God, give us a pure heart in front of you to say, whatever, wherever, whenever, no matter the cost, I'm yours. We just want to walk by faith. So we pray that in the name of a faithful God who is the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen.